Lesbians, we're just like straights. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Can we just live here forever? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. It's nature, not nurture. The classic horror connoisseur, Sean. Nothing that a few painkillers and a shot of whiskey won't cure. And the paranormal paramour, Binks. Blot, don't scrub. This week we're kicking off Pride Month by unpacking a film that tests the boundaries of trust and survival. Before we slip on our Birkenstocks, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. Recently we watched the absolutely insane 2022 film, fresh and when i say insane like i mean that in kind of like a complimentary way but we held a poll 25 percent of you hacked it and 75 percent of you slashed it that's not bad i want you to remember that ratio for later in this episode huh interesting okay but it is a little bit more of a hack than i anticipated it is higher than i thought but it's still not bad i mean it's still in favor yeah i'm pleasantly surprised this is one that i look on with like fonder memories than when I actually watched it, I think the first time through. So maybe it's deserving of a second watch, but we wanted to know what you all thought. So you left us some comments. OJ says he deserved that laughing, crying emoji followed by peanuts emoji up to interpretation. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Peanuts. The girls who get it, get it. The girls who don't, they don't. (laughs) Natalie H says this movie is incredible. The acting, the directing, the editing, the music is an absolute blast. And it has entered my horror movie hall of fame. It's tasty and fresh as hell. Absolute slash. Dang, getting inducted into the hall of fame. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty big. But not only is it fresh, it's tasty. That's a good, that's a good word. Like talking about horror movies. So Ashley says, as a Stan Stan, this hurts to say, but he ruined this for me on my second watch. Insufferable insufferable is a very specific word choice yeah dang it's always done with intention you don't just say insufferable and not know what you're saying and on the second watch like at the second time it just really didn't sit well that's interesting now haley says highlighted slash for me great choreography love the acting and just overall plot for the film Mm. interesting that they said choreography too like i guess in the in terms of movement in some certain scenes Well, that was intense. And EC says, it's a slash. I very much enjoy watching Fresh. It takes a deep bite into the dating place. Well, for straight. We're going to take a deep bite somewhere else tonight. (laughs) And let's give a warm welcome to our newest patron, Shiggles05. Shiggles, welcome. I don't know exactly what your name means or where it's from, but I love it. It sounds fun. Yeah. So thanks for joining the family with such an ingenious little nomaker. We love it. Shiggles. Great name. And that's our follow-up. As we move away from our deep dive into the terrors of online dating and fresh, it's worth remembering that the most unnerving narratives often dwell within the closest of relationships. This week, we're breaking down a film that illustrates just how intricate and layered those close bonds can become. This film follows two wives celebrating their first year of wedded life against the backdrop of serene mountain ranges and a tranquil lake. Beneath the calm surface, though, the waters of unspoken truths run deep. This week, we're talking about the 2018 film, What Keeps You Alive. Who's seen this one before? I have actually never heard of this movie before. I saw that it had been nominated actually a while back from one of our patrons. So that's kind of when it entered my sphere of knowledge, but I never really looked 
too into it. So I did stay curious about it since it was nominated. When we ended up deciding to record this episode, I was like, dang, all right, we're finally getting into this. Let's see what this is about. Yeah, I, I had not seen this one before either. I know we were we were looking at it when we were planning some stuff out around what movies we're going to be looking at, but I... I just read the synopsis, never heard of it before. It was never even on my radar until recently. I was also not familiar with it prior to, you know, us getting prepared to do this episode. It also, the title kind of sounds like one of those questions they ask you at work, you know, talking about your passions <laughs> in life. So I actually hadn't seen this movie before, but it's been on my radar for a few years now because we always toy with the idea of covering it during Pride. I'm happy to see that this is the year that it finally happened. Going into this, I had heard so many good things and knowing that this is a a movie in which two women are celebrating their wedding anniversary. I was like, all right, cool. Here's what we got. I predicted Birkenstocks. I expected LL <laughs> Bean crunchy granola lesbians with there being at least one Jeep or Subaru. And I was happy to say that within the first three seconds of the fucking movie, I checked the box and the boxes just kept on getting checked. But what were y'all expecting? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know that if I was expecting any any of that, but what little I read about the movie, I was really expecting this one to have some good suspense, you know, maybe a good suspense thriller. I don't know, but it, it feels also like it could be a really recycled backstory. So I'm hoping that it's not going to feel that way while watching. Yeah, I have to agree. I was expecting like it to toy the line between horror and thriller, maybe a little more on the psychological side. And honestly, I tend to love horror films that like depict marriage and relationships, especially if they're like unraveling right in a in a deep and metaphorical way. But I agree, I was definitely thinking it more on the thriller horror side. And at the very least, also like a obviously a badass final girl moment you know i was like all right the the poster or like the movie poster kind of already kind of gives away a bit to some extent so i was like things are about to hit the fan in this movie don't know what's gonna happen per se and how she's gonna look like end up looking like that but at the very least final girl energy yeah i i just glimpsed at some of the stills and i kind of ran read through the synopsis a little bit i want to read the whole thing but i really just expected like a woodland setting and a couple fighting for their lives in some way. But also for some reason, I expected there to be a lot of feels, yet a good feeling of boredom for me. That's kind of what I imagined going into it. As I got into it, though, there's nothing like that feeling of wanting to step in front of a bus to push someone out of the way. Something about the tension and the emotional distress that they they give us really makes you feel for a main character. So you were so tense, you wanted to push someone away from a bus, Mac? I don't know if I was tense, but it's like, you know, when, when you watch somebody else going through something incredibly awkward and like, it doesn't affect you that, that they're going through something awkward, but you want to, you want to jump in there for them. Yeah. You want to save them. You know that you can't, but like, it's, it's a lot to look at. It is a lot. And I think this movie does make you feel a lot of things. Let me tell you that the range I felt can be described as in, in some moments, absolutely tickled, not feeling mad, you know, about a certain something. I felt really unsettled and sad in another moment. I got really satisfied in another scene. And then I found a hilarious little tie to the L word that I'm so like absolutely just enamored with. And I felt a lot of suspense, a lot of tension, mostly like a jaw dropping gasp kind of moment. So I was bought in is what I really felt. And then remember that ratio I told you earlier, 75, 25 split. 
that was 75% of the movie, 25% of the movie. Like, I was just like, what the fuck did this turn into? It was shocking to say the least. This, this whole ride was honestly as tumultuous as a lot of relationships I know. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. So it was really starting to feel like a slow burn suspense type movie for me. But then I felt like it took an abrupt turn and the movie went in a whole different direction than I initially thought it was going to go. And then it did end up feeling a little sluggish after all of that. So I really don't know what I was feeling here, to be honest. This is so interesting. I didn't get any feeling of tension of like what you're saying about being unsure of where this is going to go. I felt like I knew exactly where this was going to go. At the very beginning, I actually didn't. But once things clicked, like once you really hit the point of the movie, I was like, oh, I, I can predict this from a mile away. Certain decisions I was hoping weren't going to be made. But honestly, it started for me like confusion a little bit. Then a majority of the film, I was like, the two, the two main characters don't make any sense to me. Like this is just clownery. And then by the end of it, I almost just felt cheated by the film. I was just like, this is the most cliche and dramatic depiction of something that could have been really, really good with the expectation, like I said, that this is going to be a real big thriller and like psychological type vibe. Sure, there are some metaphors. Sure, there is some layers to certain decisions, but it, it wasn't giving. It wasn't giving to me. But. Binks, what I'll say is I, you know, I, I really thought I was going to end up, you know, bored, but it's the actors that drew me in and kept me interested. I was really surprised by just how quality the dialogue and the acting was. And that kept me going no matter the slowness of the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I will agree that the actors for sure carried a little bit. I would say the actress that plays Jules, I believe. Yeah, she, I think she was amazing in her performance. But dialogue, you mentioned dialogue. I thought it was a little bit bland, maybe. Like, I, I think that's kind of what disappointed me. Because I started off really impressed by certain characters. And def definitely a little bit of the dialogue I could buy into. But then it was just like all right, we're entering ridiculousness. The conversations that are being said or like that are being had are just nothing of real solid substance. Like it's not carrying the theme of marriage to me and like the dynamics of relationships and, and what that looks like to some extent. I don't know. Am I crazy? Is it, maybe it is just me. I, I don't, don't think you're crazy, but I think there's a reason for it. Okay. Okay. And I, I really want to put a pin in that part of it and kind of break it down when we get into the spoiler zone. But I think it's really interesting that you both feel that way because i certainly feel the characters were giving but only one of them really gave to me and jules was not it jules was actually my biggest disappointment in the whole movie i found jules kind of insufferable and there were moments and and, and plot devices that were used to really try to like embed you in their life together and I just found them utterly pointless. And so asking those questions at the end of the movie, not because of a lack of attention, but because a lack of a point. You know what I mean? Like it was misguided. And so that's where I really struggled. I was disappointed that in the last quarter of the movie, they went so far and extended their reach so much that it soured so much of what I thought was incredible. And I do have a lot of positive things to say, and I've been actually pretty split on this movie. But I think that was my biggest surprise walking into this 
and seeing how it starts. And then there's no way I could have predicted I would feel that way at the end. And yet here we are. Yeah, here we are. Look, I was just surprised by the amount of terrible and stupid decisions that were made throughout this movie. Like insane amounts. And and there are a lot of good things about this movie, don't get me wrong, but some of these plot points and decisions were just outright disappointing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, a thousand percent, which... I mean, maybe is why certain characters and their acting of those stupid ass decisions, I thought was actually pretty good. And yeah, definitely insufferable, but at least I'm feeling something, some way about them, I guess. If they're, if they're making me feel some type of way about them, then they're doing their job right, I guess, is the way I see it. Uh, I think they were trying to make you feel some other kind of way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah, I think you're being very generous. Oh, well, there you go. See, that's, that's, this is why I don't think it's necessarily like a super scary film, but I just think there's this like level of social awkwardness the entire time. And not just because someone's being silly. It's just like you're, you're just judging people the whole time for what they do or they don't do the things that they have to experience. Because in, in our minds, I think we're watching it going like, just nope yourself out of that situation. Come on. What are you doing? Do this, do that. And so instead, it just leaves me with this feeling the entire time. I'm not, I'm not really worried. I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I can't go to the woods anymore. Right. But it's, it's just more like, man, this is, it's kind of uncomfortable to see these people go through this. Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, it's just the only fear factor here is how negligent people could be of the red flags that are staring them right in the face. And, and sure, there's also the element of like, you don't really know who you are with, but we already know that in like reality. And that's, that's fine. No, I, I, it's full on the red flags, which look guilty. I definitely have seen some red flags that I probably just like neglected, but not to this caliber. Let me just make that clear. But you know, there's that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. This movie is not scary in the slightest. I I would say it would be safe for most people to watch. Like I, I didn't really notice any effective jump scares. There's definitely some good suspense being built at times, but like overall, nothing really to be frightened of. For sure. I think the bigger, idea that this movie poses can be concerning for sure but it's not anything that's fresh or new and i think that's why it's not effective at at being frightening because really when it comes down to it there are moments in this that are jaw-dropping and there are moments that are like (gasps) but not because it's being innovative it's because it's just doing things very quickly at a time that you wouldn't expect in the pacing which is a positive however You've seen this movie on Investigation Discovery. Absolutely. I feel like the the underlying motive of this film is something that's like the tale as old as time. It's, it's, we've seen it before a thousand percent. Lesbians, we're just like straights. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like I've seen variations of this movie before. It, it might have its own story, right? And so you might be able to give some originality points there. But overall, this film took a lot from movies that came before it and just regurgitated it back into something slightly different. Yeah, I think it had its own thing going on. Like, there, there's, there's a feeling that belongs to this film, but, as you've mentioned, you can really look at any other horror film that relates to a married couple and you're, you're going to get some vibes from that. Even one that's like completely unrelated to this, but like even Gerald's game like came to my mind while we yeah, were watching yeah, yeah. this. I'm a little biased. <laughs> no, Banks, earlier you mentioned the ending of the film. And you know, at first I really thought that it was just going to let me down and then piss me off. But then it like pretty much redeemed itself. And then 
it let me down and pissed me off and then tried to end it in like an artistic way. Like went through this cycle. There was a moment where I was like, nice. I liked it. I don't love it, but I like this. And then I was like, nope, I don't like it no more. <laughs> I, man, Mac, we literally had the same exact thing in our minds. We had to have because I, I even have the same word redeemed and metaphor in my notes. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I agree. Like it, I, I, don't really love what kicked off the ending. I thought it was trash. Then it was slightly redeemed, especially for one character that I was like, oh, this is who you should have probably been the whole time, right? Whatever. Then there was like this whole metaphor, which, all right, I guess I can buy into it, whatever. And then it was absolute trash. Then throw away the whole ending because we're back to our clownery once again. Back to the clownery. Yeah, I feel like the really the ending should have taken place about midway through the movie. Like, but if we are talking about the actual ending in the film, I don't necessarily like some of the steps that got us there. Overall, I'm not I'm not super mad at it. I, I'm it's not like it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I I I, I actually like the last little tidbit we get right before the credits roll. Ooh, that's okay. a hot take. That's a hot take. Okay, so once again, the end. Worst part of the fucking movie. I'm not crazy about it. I wouldn't even say that the ending that it should have been is even a good ending because then it's just anticlimactic, right? Like it's, it just kind of happens and you're like, all right, cool. So they, they bobbed, they weaved, they twisted, they turned. They were so woke, they fell back asleep. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, it was doing a lot of things and I wasn't a fan really of any of it because even to say am i satisfied with the end results like if you were to write down who's standing at the end of the movie uh, i don't know i don't even know that i'm happy with that i felt like the experience of getting to the ending and then the pre-ending and the prologue and the epilogue to the ending all of them all of them are just so excessive that it felt impossible for me to enjoy and that's a real bummer but I think we have a lot of things to say about this movie. I'm still factoring. I, I know I sound like very critical of it, but I'm still factoring where I stand on it. And I'll have a little bit more here to share. But as we make our way over to our reading, Sean, how would you describe the gore score? Oh, there is definitely blood in the movie, but I feel like you get less from the actual gore in this movie than you do from some of the cringy moments backed by the Foley work or the sound effects in the movie. So, I mean, overall, this one is getting that sweet little mild medium gore score. And what about the animal report? You know, metaphors are said and and shown, but I'd like to say a confident safe in terms of the animal report. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. What keeps you alive from 2018? Was it a hack or was it a slash? And I think I'm actually going to kick it off because fuck it, it's Pride Month. I walked into this movie ready to love it. I heard incredible things about it. And listen, I slashed, they slashed them. I'm sorry to pull up those receipts from last year, but I did because I had fun. And that movie, the ending kind of squanders it, but like it wasn't trying to do a whole lot. This movie was trying to do a whole lot. This is a movie that's just as much about the internal landscape of its characters as the beautiful vistas that they're surrounded by. You know what I mean? It's, it's about complexity. It's about metaphors. It's about growth, dynamics, love, trust, betrayal, etc. It's about a lot of things. And I was so excited about it. And I was excited during it. For about 75% of the movie, it was absurdly good. I had jaw-dropping moments that really stunned me. 
and like shook me for a bit. And there's a point where I stopped taking notes. And I'm like, man, I am just too engrossed in this movie and what's happening. And then the experience of watching this collectively with our community and our Discord server, such a great one. There, there are great vibes. My commentary still exists in the Watch Party channel if you want to check it out. And there are a lot of visuals to love. There's some absolutely breathtaking shots. There's a lot of great bones in this movie, both on screen and I mean figuratively speaking. And I'm struggling to score it definitively one way or another because of what a wild experience this movie is. Do I ever want to watch it again? No, definitely not. Am I absolutely curious about what some of my friends would think? Yeah. And the more I've simmered on it, the more I've wondered if I experienced the intended outcome, right? So hear me out. This is going to sound a little bit crazy because the problem for me is that while so much of it is so good, the 25% remaining in the movie was so absurdly over the top that I couldn't even really consider it fun camp. It was just excess. It completely uprooted the good faith I had built. And honestly, I felt like I was as betrayed as some of the characters in this movie. I felt like my relationship with this movie was personally attacked. I felt victimized. And maybe that was the point. And if it was, I think that's an interesting idea. If I could score it 50-50 after simmering on it and getting away from my passionate hate of the end, I would. But when pressed, ooh, I hate to say it. I'm sorry to kick off Pride Month this way, but I'd err on the side of hack. And that breaks my heart. That is interesting. You know, this this film surprised me. Because based on the little, the very little I knew about it going in, I really thought that it was either going to just be too boring or too incredibly slow or too sparse for me. And that's coming from somebody who enjoys some things that are considered a little bit too boring. But I, but I thought the pacing was mostly good. The acting was as intense as it needed to be most of the time. The characters were interesting for the most part. The setting was gorgeous. The cinematography, fantastic. So to me, that makes it gloss it all over it's an all-around slash i would just say be careful watching it with a new significant other yeah you know what this this movie has a lot of entertaining moments and at times it did even surprise me a bit but there were also so many plot holes and poor decisions made some things in this film were so unrealistic it almost ruined it for me but it didn't fully ruin it for me i still had a decent time watching this one I enjoyed the direction the film went in some parts and some parts I didn't. But despite the many flaws it has, I got to admit that I also had a fun time yelling at these characters when they made countless poor decisions. And for that, it's a slash. Wow. I got to say, friends, didn't think this was going to go this way. What an interesting episode for our listeners. Look, I, I mentioned this earlier. I definitely tend to have a great soft spot for movies that explore like themes of marriage and relationships. Obviously, this is like a cool opportunity to see that, but obviously in a, you know, in the LGBTQ plus space. But when I realized what this movie was going to be about, I went in like really, really excited. And I think ultimately I was hoping for one thing and I just got an overrated bland story that I already know too well, despite, you know, the the main characters and the opportunity to see what I thought was going to be a more complex relationship and, and obviously this this marriage between these two women and, and what that was going to look like. I don't know. I just was met with the same cut copy and paste that I've seen so many times, especially in thrillers. So maybe that's my fault, right? 
And the thing is, like, it's not even a plot that you, like, know well, but you still kind of enjoy. No, it was honestly just frustrating and disappointment sprinkled in with, like, yeah, a bit of fun here and there, but just not enough. It's not, like, entirely bad, but it still just left me with enough of a distaste for the characters and the story for it to qualify, like, as a like slash despite that no so i'm actually gonna end up hacking it to be honest i'm gonna hack this one and i'm pretty surprised but i'm also not i'm if anything i'm just surprised by how this just went down (laughs) it's because you're such an ally thanks for not leaving me alone during bread month well there you have it folks what keeps you alive from 2018 has earned two hacks and two slashes so we're completely split down the middle time will tell if the score still stands at the end of the year but for now you can Check the link in our show notes to find where you can watch this movie yourself, and then join us in the second half so we can make our case together. We'll see you in a bit. This episode of Hacker Slash is brought to you by Trustfall Inc., the only company that turns trust exercises into extreme sports. Trustfall Inc. knows that sometimes relationships can be a real thriller. So we've designed an adrenaline-pumping, trust-building experience that pushes you and your partner to the edge, quite literally. Our certified Daredevil instructors will guide you through a series of extreme trust exercises, including cliffside confessions, tandem bungee bonding, and our death-defying trust-fall trapeze. Strengthen your bond while dangling over the abyss. Worried about safety? Don't be. At Trustfall Inc., we take your security as seriously as we take your trust. Our state-of-the-art safety gear and betrayal-proof harnesses ensure you'll survive the experience with your relationship intact, or at least physically. As a Hackerslash listener, you're in for an exclusive deal. Use promo code TRUSTSLASH30 at checkout to get 30% off your Trustfall Inc. extreme trust-building adventure. So what are you waiting for? Put your relationship to the ultimate test with Trustfall Inc. and discover just how far you're willing to go for love. Hold on tight, lovebirds. Welcome back, folks. You're now entering the spoiler zone for What Keeps You Alive, which has proved to make us a house divided tonight, earning two hacks and two slashes. We have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, let's go through the kills. Yeah, so I have three kills for this movie, at least what we see on screen. There was... Of course, a false alarm with Jules, which I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Bullshit. <laughs> and then there are also the other victims prior to Jules. However, many necklaces we see or whatever in that little box, maybe, I don't know, five or six. I didn't really, wasn't able to count. But so there are other kills that we can assume happened. But out of the three that we're going to go down for this kill count, let's go for favorite kills. All right. I'm going to go first because obviously this one is an easy one and everyone's going to try to pick it, I think. But Daniel, I think, is my favorite kill. Even though I, I typically hate throat slitting in movies because it's completely unrealistic and usually annoying. This this scene here with like the music deafening, having to watch this happen through the window, it was a great setup. It reminded me a little bit of of a movie called Bully. And at the end of the movie, there's there's a there's a character that's killed, and it's just like a shocking moment because it's just happening right there in front of you, and it, it's quick and it's bold. And we have that in this kill. We have that where it's like, oh my gosh, get away from her. And he's like, what? I can't hear you. What? And, and she just runs up right behind him and then boom, it's, it's game over. That's a good one. It would have been had my favorite death not actually been the death of their marriage. Oh, snap. Of course. All right. Of course. Listen, I'll get into warm favorite scene, but you don't come back from roaring before you push someone off a cliff. 
And so, I guess my other favorite death would be the first time Jules is supposed to be fucking dead. How the hell do you survive that? Okay, that's that. That's what I'm saying. That's where the unrealistic stuff comes into play. Because there's no way you're just going to fall off a cliff and just get up and brush it off 10 minutes later and start walking through the woods. Like, that is insane. That she survives it twice? Twice. Get out of here. Twice. I swear to you, that breath at the end of the fucking movie better be her life leaving her body. Because there's no fucking way that she lived. There's just no way. Oh, she did. My disbelief is no longer suspended, sir. <laughs> See, I I actually thought about that in a very different way. We got to that point and we heard that breath. I that's what I thought. I thought that was literally her last breath. Did you? Okay. That's what I thought when I watched it. Like that's how I took it is that like now she can rest. I don't think so because it sounds like it doesn't sound like an exhale. It it's sounds an like inhale. an inhale, like she's gasping. When you die, you exhale. You don't go in. That was very hopeful of you, Mac. I don't know. So and and here's the thing. I know if she did live, it's not technically a kill, which is why it's not in the kill count, but I think just from the like okay yes she falls off the cliff initially she gets up it's not realistic whatever then the movie continues but then as this fight is going on whatever poor decision she made to come back for whatever reason i don't fucking know but uh, maybe just to just to kill it off but but she comes back they go through this whole thing and then for some reason i was not expecting her to die at that point so i was like okay this is the final girl whatever she's gonna live she's gonna get through this thing as dumb as she is to come back but then she did presumably die and i was like oh that's like oh man i, I kind of don't want the movie to end that way and then the breath and so that's why i like the ending okay and listen the biggest kill was them missing the opportunity to use the song from chumbawanga I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. That should have been the credits. That should have been the credit song. If it was, that would have redeemed the ending for me. Oh, nice. That's camp. But no, this isn't camp. No. I would have thrown this movie out the window if that had been the case. <laughs> I mean, although I already hacked it, but like it really would have been in, in the trash for sure. Maybe it's metaphor, though. If you think about it, right? It's like all about the resilience you have to have to get through relationships. Oh, gosh. Listen. You already have to be so fucking resilient just to be gay, all right? Like, I don't need more resilience on that. Let the gays be happy. Don't literally bury your fucking gays. And then don't try to unbury your gay. Don't try to resurface the gay. You know what you did. You killed both of them. Leave it there. Except what you did. Don't try to fucking bail out at the last second with a... Uh, own up to it. No, because you know what that is? That is the... At the end of that fucking Twilight movie when Edward proposes. That's what that is. Whoa. That is exactly what that is. That is exactly what it is, and I couldn't fucking stand it. The Jackie's death, though, yeah. I think is so... Or Megan, whatever the hell we want to call her. Like, that was the one moment where I was like, wow, so Jules actually is smart like the fact that she's a doctor or whatever the hell you know like that's thrown out the window a little bit like that's just right so you're supposed to be smart but you're making the stupidest decisions right that's what i'm saying until like this moment where all of a sudden her iq was brought back you know and like uh, alive again and like okay all right badass you finally you know are doing something to redeem your stupid ass decisions and then nope we're back to the clownery. Yeah. It's like, it just, it's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. I mean, I, I loved the metaphor. I liked the scene in terms of how Jackie's death is kind of played out. I liked, it was very uncomfortable. That part is fine. But just at that point, it's like, all right, Jules, you were supposed to be smart throughout this whole movie. And this was the only smart thing that you did. No. 
I'm sorry. I gotta, oof. I think what it is, conviction, it is intricate. It's an intricate thought process. But I think for it to have been truly smart, she would have had to manage her time and do literally anything fucking else to survive instead of just not only poison it, not only put hydrogen peroxide and swap it out with the insulin, but to then film her monologue, to film her confession, because it's giving evil genius at the end who's about to get away with it, but then just starts fucking talking too much. That is what that is. And it drives me insane. It absolutely drives me insane. And listen, I'm not a doctor. It just seems all fucking dumb. But there are a lot of folks who watch this movie and they're like, wow, this seems medically inaccurate. Why is she having a stroke that's presenting as a seizure? And there's something about like the way that it's injected, like wouldn't have gotten to that reaction at that point. I don't know. But either way, it's complex. And if you are so complex that you also take off some people who should know better, it just seems unnecessary. And like you could have gone 30 fucking directions. I think when we watched this movie, someone called it Chekhov's Insulin. And I was like, yep, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad about the insulin trick. I'm, I'm not mad. I am mad, however, that she did like come back for it though. Like she's, she's got her plan. She's getting away. She can breathe easily now. And then she goes back for more. And then if you're like, first of all, I'm sorry. If you're going to hold a gun against someone who's trying to kill you, you got to be prepared to fire the second they move the wrong way. 100%. That, oh, that bothers me. Okay. I don't want to rave too long because we're going to get to some of that. I think in characters though, but I do want to rave about though. Is that blacklight scene? Because that was freaking amazing. They're like cleaning up all this blood splatter and stuff. And we don't just get to see it, you know, with a little bit of, a little bit of night vision from, you know, from the magic of of cinema. No, we get blacklight. And for whatever reason they did it, I don't care. It looked amazing and I loved it. Because she's thorough. Blot don't scrub. I think my favorite visual from this film is just the cinematography alone. Like uh, the things that they did. Uh, throughout the movie, the camera work at the beginning of the film was wild as it follows characters around. The the way the camera pans out in certain scenes, the shots of the house from the woods, like the, uh, even the point of view shot as Jackie enters the house in the third act. The the camera work was just solid in this film. Yeah, and I like the the coloring of the film, especially when they're in the water the second time, I guess that like when they're approaching the neighbor, like the, the neighbor's house or whatever, like that was, it's a very right tone of, of like, I don't know, serene, like, cause, cause you would think about it, right? Like in a great moment, that would be such a beautiful, like sunset moment or like just the two of you out in the water, like very intimate, but also very scary or considering the situation actually at hand. There's that. But all of these favorite visuals, 100%, I do want to make a note about one visual or decision that I wasn't too crazy about. The face-off between the two of them at the end where we don't actually see it, but it's just the camera panning at the at the roof, at the ceiling, and like going around the house. Maybe that's was effective for some. Like maybe people liked it. I didn't because the thing is, is like this movie already wasn't really serving and so the one thing that i would have wanted to see was an epic face-off to like make up for all that and we didn't get it 
And I don't even think that the sound design for it was necessarily super stellar for it either. So I don't know. It was a little bit of a disappointment there too. Yeah, but yeah, so the sound design maybe not as a whole, but I think that the sound effects throughout the movie were pretty good. Yeah, they're not they weren't cheap. Yeah, like just the when when you're hearing like the bones snapping into place or breaking or whatever, those were some really good cringy moments that I think that that sound effect really played into. I don't know what I don't know if they still do it, but I know that they used to use like celery to mimic bones breaking. They just crack that into a microphone, yeah. Now I want to grab some celery and just make our own little indie horror film to see what happens. I'm <laughs> telling you, Foley work. We just go in there and make some crazy sounds and record them. Yeah, I got a field recorder. Let's do it. Listen, there's a lot to love visually in this movie. I mean, you've all said it. There's a point where we come from Jules' footsteps to Megan's footsteps, and it's just so beautiful. It's like an overhead shot. The flashlight turning on to herself, and by herself I mean Jackie, like she's telling a spooky ghost story in the woods. Phenomenal. But there are a couple things that are a little bit odd to me. Like the random GoPro shot from the or perspective, it was a little weird. I'm not saying it wasn't cool, but that was a moment of cool in an otherwise cinematic movie. And it was just a little odd and bizarre and disjointed. And then the flashbacks to the happy moments, ooh, what the hell was it? Couldn't really tell you because if they had just stripped the little bits of dialogue, it would have been perfect. Visually, it was a little compelling. You have a little a couple moments of intimacy. You're flashing back. You're reconciling this monster with this woman that you loved. And who knows how long they were together before they even got married. But there's clearly happy times on Jules' side of things. But I think the biggest thing for me that really shined visually was the stunning location. It was the sunrise over the lake. It was the little bits of twilight. There you go, Binks. <laughs> and really just like the serenity and the tranquility of that scene and knowing the chaos that they were going through, absolutely beautiful. And and it really shined in my favorite scene, which is La Push, baby. It's La Push. It's the push over the cliff. It was an entirely shocking moment and she pushed her right off. 27 minutes into the movie. 27 minutes. And let me tell you this. I mean, when Jules is getting really upset about not knowing Jackie is Megan, I didn't really buy it. I was like, eh, like, so what if that's her middle name? Or so what if that's like, you know, what if she changed her name for a good reason? I thought the anger with which she was meeting her in that moment was unnecessary and really just toxic. I was like, I don't know what this movie is expecting me to think about who's going to be the aggressor here, but it's giving jewels right now. And then for her to just get pushed right off, absolutely incredible. But I think what made that moment and all of its beauty and all of its shockingness so incredible was what we get after, which was Jackie rehearsing her 911 call. Right. And the level to which she played that, oh my gosh, she was giving Allison Williams a run for her money. I wrote that nice. several times. Yeah. She was full on Allison Williams and get out. That uh, basically the same person that could have been an origin story and I would have probably bought it. It really could have been like she was effortlessly shifting in and out of her performance. And by her performance, I don't mean like her performance in the whole movie. I mean, from the 911 rehearsal to then discovering that she's not there. That scene added so much value to the movie. And I'm so sad that it's one of the last amazing scenes that we got. But yeah, that getting pushed off the cliff was like super shocking for me too. I was like, dang, I wasn't ready for that. 
just yet, but all right. See, I, I had the thought that you had, which is like, oh, she has to die from this. Right. And I was real confused because it's like, well, the stills show that she's alive. So like, how does, how does that happen if she's already dead? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Then of course, when she's not there, you're like, oh, she's somehow survived this. Okay. Uh, questionable. It does bring us though to one of my favorite scenes, which is when Jules makes it back to the house after that fall and then like fixes herself up. Like that whole sequence there, I actually really enjoyed seeing her like do all that work to herself. And then of course, you know, Jackie returns. And I think that what was neat though about that scene is it kind of shows us a little bit more about who Jules is. Like the whole medical stuff is just kind of like mentioned here and there in really small parts that like, you know, why weren't you a doctor? Right. But I think this really shows that like underneath in there somewhere, she does have some grit. She has some resilience and she can deal with stuff like this, which is crazy because overall in the movie, she doesn't seem to be like switching that on for the most part, like here and there is, is all we get that. But that's why I like that scene. Cause like, that's what you expect out of a survivor somebody who's like, got to take that chance. Got to go fix myself up. Yeah. I think, I think that scene where Jackie is playing guitar and singing on the couch, I think the first night we were there, like, or that they were there, the, the scene was so good. Like she's singing and she's staring so intensely. There's just like, I don't know, something about that shot. There was a certain brilliant subtleness to it. Like it felt intense, but it wasn't like over the top. It was just the way they played that whole scene out. I thought was really good. That's, that's one of my favorite scenes for sure. And it was a bit of foreshadowing too. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it was like really heavy on the foreshadowing, you know, and you bring that up. So I'm like, Let's just dive into it because I'm just itching away at wanting to dissect these two ridiculous human beings <laughs> that are married to each other because it's just nuts to me that how did you find that scary ass song in fire, like in with like the light of the fire in this, yeah. you know, setting, singing about a demon? How do you go from that and being like, that's so hot? Like, like a romantic moment in a cabin. Like, I don't know. The, the song started playing, right? And then I heard the, the first thing was the lyrics that I heard that caught. And I was like, this is a fucking dark song. And then, <laughs> and then the stare. I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is something. I'm out of there. That was yeah. a combination of ignoring a red flag, like Binks has been saying this whole fucking time, but also be okay. You don't really listen to your partner. You're just there to ogle her. But then the three part of this is, how else, like, that must be, like, a very effective way that she has found in her life to not pay attention to people, but also politely shut them up when she doesn't want to tolerate whatever the fuck they're doing. Oh, if I just uh compliment them and say you're hot and just kiss you, I'm sorry. Nothing would irritate me more. Well, and look at what ended up happening to her as a result of, you know, just avoiding and neglecting some clear questionable things like i agree with you chris you mentioned it earlier when she was right off the rip just very upset about the name thing okay yeah it's very strange but there could also just be an actual reason to this and and when i'm thinking it's like okay you jump to a serious like questionable conclusion when it's someone that you've been married to like that you're married to and yeah it's been a year but it's also been a year so like I don't know. Like, I, I, 
she was hauling ass. The first thing that she did was haul ass to that neighbor's house to like find out all of these things. And it's just, it's strange. So you'll do that for the name, but you could have also just acted that way from the very beginning when she doesn't even talk to her, to you about her father until a year after you've been married. Like, you know, nothing about this woman's dad whatsoever. Like, that's strange. Take, take a moment to reflect, Jules please. Really, what does it say, Jules, that you feel so uncomfortable going to someone else and not asking your right. wife? Right. Exactly. And then you're actually shocked. And I know we're really victim shaming here because Jules was going to end up dead no matter what, but it's it's still the, the tumultuousness of that relationship. This could have not been a problem, right? This could have been avoided had Jules made better decisions about her relationships and like got out of her own narcissistic way to actually see things for what they were. Because when you are taught, when you're in a relationship with a brick wall who isn't giving you much except for the butterflies and the superficial stuff, that's a problem. Worry too much about who's a crow and who's a freaking eagle or I don't even know what. Like lo- lots of people have codependent relationships. No, that's true. My God. But I don't know. I just feel like ultimately, especially that scene, Sean, it's like, all right, this is right off the bat right. giving creepy. Yep. And then it's one thing after the other, after the other. So I just, I I almost wish that, maybe it's asking for a lot, but I almost wish that we understood Jules just a little bit further, a little bit more depth to maybe know get a better understanding as to why she would avoid these clear red flags. You know, like you're saying- this stuff about like that narcissism and just jumping into the like, you know, you're hot and also this stuff to deflect. Like these are things that we just, we say, but I would have liked to have seen that be true, right? Yeah, because the inverse is probably the actual reality in which she has not found a lot of love and jumped at the first sight of love and jumped at the first sight of someone giving her attention. Kind of like the way that we tend to like fantasize things or romanticize things of like, okay, um, I, I've been in probably however many relationships and then like you find someone who's like, oh yeah, superficially she checks all boxes and then, okay, you, you kind of like become attracted to that. And that's probably the greater reality of, of what the situation was for them. But to have the ice cold killer that is Jackie Megan, you got to really have me care about Jules. And I gave no shits about Jules. And I gave no shits about Jules before she even made any bad decisions. Like, that's just the reality of it. I just, I could not get into her vibe from the beginning, even though there were still moments in the beginning where I felt like I could see myself in her a bit. Like, I felt I could, I could really like, like she could be my vessel into this story and she still squandered it. I just couldn't do it. I was say she's just a great A dumbass too, because like, also, she wasn't even, not even in the slightest bit graceful in anything that she did. Like, you couldn't even find a subtle way to tell Sarah that some shit's going down. You decided to say that right in front of the window that your wife is standing outside of? Yeah. And you could have just sat the fuck down and mumbled it and said, don't turn around, keep looking at what you're doing, and explained it under her breath. No, full on, like, right in front of the like might as well have just been like hey uh jackie you want to come here i'm going to actually do the thing that you just told me i shouldn't do because then you'll end up killing her i'm going to do it right here but like with you in front of me that's basically what she did terrible decisions i'm telling you terrible decisions i i think i think jules as a character is it it almost felt like maybe over 
don't know if it's overacting or over attempting in certain situations. And like, it just, I don't know. It didn't hit for me. I, I think, I think that Jackie on the other hand though, Jackie, man, some of her best work was in those woods when she was playing off the different personalities and like searching and being like super fake and being worried and then just abruptly stopping and just going into that and just snapping like that. Like, man, that's, that's some terrifying shit. You know what I think it is? I think Jules has an air of desperation and, and maybe that's on purpose. Right. And so, when she's doing all these dumb things, you know, who does dumb things is people who are desperate at that time. That's people who do dumb things because they don't know what to do, but they know they have to try to do something. On the other hand, Jackie doesn't feel desperate ever. She just ain't worried. Now, well, you could say that's because she's a psychopath or whatever, obviously, right? But like, whenever things go badly or just like not as she planned, she's just like, F it, but she doesn't stop moving. Right? She just keeps going. Yeah. Can I tell you how much I love the moment that she makes Jules compare their heartbeats? Yeah, for sure. Like, that was such a brilliant fucking moment. And I was like, God, I, I, I get now what Binks must feel like when one of these guys <laughs> kind of like turns around a little bit when she's like watching a movie of a psychopath. Oh, no. Like Ryan Reynolds about a butcher his term. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, compare my heartbeat. Jackie <laughs> Megan, fucking go for it. Correct. Oh, amazing. Okay. But was there a fucking shot of Daniel without a wine glass? <laughs> Thank you. That man had that wine glass gripped. He just drank all the fucking time. A, a true wino. And I was curious, was this a was this an attempted flip on gender roles in this movie? Is that who Daniel was? Because that's what I was getting. You know, his his wife, not that she's necessarily more masculine in any kind of way, but when it comes to like the roles in this film, she's the one who's coming to say hi because she was worried about somebody she used to know. And I feel like in a lot of movies, it would be a guy that shows up to, to do that, specifically if it was like a really old friend or an ex, especially the ex thing. And then they love in movies to portray women as always drinking wine. It's like a thing, like the, the wine mom, you know, the, the wives who were just always drinking wine. It's like a, it's like a, a thing they like to do in movies. I don't really don't understand it because I love wine just as much as anyone else. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely seemed like having him always drinking wine was a hundred percent on purpose for some reason. That's a good point. Listen, if that was the case, they probably should have made a better call than to have him just completely flip. On his wife and say, she has these crazy ideas about you. Although maybe that could be like chalked up to like a 50s, 1950s portrayal of a gossipy housewife. I don't know, maybe. But even then, it's like if they're trying to to flip that, it just still did not track for me. Because it just sounds like something an idiot dude would do. So fully commit or not. Yeah, that's that is (laughs) that's true, though. I mean, they couldn't get away from the fact that, like, this dude is obviously a douche. But, you know, he and Sarah did just enough to really pad the body count and still show up well in the movie. Like, they were a nice little side dish to the main entree that we had. And when Jackie Megan is stabbing Sarah and she says, Jenny fought harder, I was like, fuck, you're brutal. But also, damn, Sarah, what must be going through your mind right now? Yeah, Jackie goes hard in the paint. She does not mess around because she could have just taken her out to throw in those lines. 
she is just ruthless. Definitely. Now, I want to go back to to Drunk Daniel for a minute because I think you guys can obviously find some worse parts of this movie, but I didn't have that much negative stuff to say about it. And so Drunk Daniel was my worst part <laughs> because I think like you mentioned, so he and Sarah were a good addition. Without the two of them, think how boring this movie would have been if it was just our main couple trying to find each other's through the woods. It would have been one of those like really slow burns, incredibly dull. They, I actually think we should have had a little bit more of Sarah and Daniel to spice things up, to have that little dynamic back and forth. But the fact that he was basically drunk and useless was, was stupid. I'm sorry. It just like that annoyed the crap out of me because we always need that hope that Sarah and Daniel provide. We always need that in a movie when somebody is like trying to get their, you know, way out of a situation like this. And we get like two seconds of it with Sarah, but Daniel sees them in the water and they, we really needed to play into that hope that he could help her in some way. And we didn't, we just got Daniel being like, all right, I'm going to see you for dinner dudes. Yeah. Freaking idiot. Listen, he was, he was a better part of this. I can give you that. But man, if we had no Daniel and no Sarah, we might've actually had to figure out, what it fucking means that they're birds. We might have actually had to figure out what that actually means. But I will say this. The Jackie Megan performance will never not be the most impressive part of this movie. Because I think, for again, the whole 75% that I really, really enjoyed, she was really what made it so enjoyable. And I'm not just talking about the idea of it, but rather how effortlessly she shifted between raging psychopath like homicidal wife to really concerned and making a 911 call, rehearsing, talking out loud to herself. And that moment that Jules kind of looks over the log and sees her slip in and out of character. Damn. Like that's real. That's real. It's like the first time in a relationship you realize that your person is not who, you know, you maybe thought that they were. Maybe you realize they're not perfect. Maybe you realize, like, maybe it's like the first time you find something that they do that annoys you. This one, this one's more serious than that. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I said it before. I say it again. The worst part of the movie is the absurdly poor choices made by Jules throughout this entire film. She should have never came back after escaping in the first place. I also think that the movie realistically would have ended, what, 30 minutes into the film when she got, when she got pushed off the cliff, but then there wouldn't really be much of a movie. And then you could argue that if she just never came back, it would also have been a good ending, but they kept it going and then it got a little bit stranger. Yeah. Which, is a good like segue to my I guess supposed best part aside from I mean like I had originally the best part being yeah the performances especially like you know Hannah Anderson that plays Jackie Megan or whatever and then Brittany Allen also I like she, so Brittany Allen plays Jules and I know that we don't necessarily like Jules but I think that the actress still did a good job of portraying Jules even though she's a fucking idiot you know like I think she did a good job of that. I, I, whatever. You know, sometimes people get a poor hand dealt. We all know how I feel about Sam Carpenter in Scream. Okay? So, it is what it is. However, if I had to pick another best part, it's weird, but bear with me. Like, I guess I, I do enjoy when the main character kind of has that 
that moment, maybe not a cacao, like freaking, you know, that kind of trigger. But I do enjoy when they, something snaps in them where they're like, all right, I'm going to take control. I'm going to fight back that whole 180. I think that that's always fun. And I did like that finally we're getting Jules to show her competence and ability to best Jackie. I mean, she's the one that knows how to use a gun too. Like she, like, I, I don't know. It's so I can go on and on, but the point is the fact that Jules is now hunting Jackie, I thought was very fun and cool, but then it just sours. So it's a weird best part because then she freaking puts that song anthem out and I'm like, you're a moron. What is happening here? Jackie's going to know that you're luring her into a trap. Like, this is stupid. Whatever. The point is, the best part is that at least we do get the moment where Jules is, like, taking control. And she's like, I'm going to fuck this bitch up, you know? And did she really, uh, I guess, kind of, not really, sort of, but whatever. We got what we got. Here's what puts that into such a more interesting frame of reference. In the same year... We got this movie. We got Jules trapping Jackie Megan in this way. We get her previously the hunted, now becoming the hunter. And then we get Laurie Strode showing off with Michael Myers, trapping him in her house. The hunted has become the hunter over 40 years. And like, just those two things are not the same. <laughs> you tried Jules. Well, 40 years. 40 years, Chris. I mean, Jules only had a year. Okay, yeah. listen. I can give you a lot of final girls who still did it one night. You're good. Allison, Karen, <laughs> whatever. Point being, in the same year, we got those two movies, and it's interesting. I don't know. I'm saying Jules uh, bit off a little bit more than she could chew, I think. It would have been great if we had gotten a different movie. So if we got a little bit of what Sean wanted, right, which is when Jules goes over the cliff, that's it, Right. Right. But at the end of the movie, when Jackie's like, you know, got the cops there and the friends and the family and going through all the stuff, then she shows up and takes Jackie out, right? Like as a massive surprise to everybody, that would have been okay with me too, because at least it would, it doesn't have to make sense, but at least it feels good and vengeful. Yeah. I think what could have made this better is if Sarah had the secret and my two lesbian ladies got to just, you know, be happy and maybe they wouldn't make it to the end, but they'd be on the same team. That's what we all deserve. Yeah. What if there was a murder pact? Oh, you know? yeah. I wrote down in my notes, there's nothing more satisfying than knowing there was a moment of a secret murder pact. And it wasn't a murder pact, but it was definitely Sarah knowing that there was a murder and they just didn't really talk about it when she was exonerated. But if they'd gone that direction, I think my heart would have slashed this. I will say definitively though that I will not be watching this movie again. I have recommended it to my girlfriend. I have no intention of unless she unless she wants to watch it with me. I have no intention of ever watching this again. You know, I actually feel the opposite because I, although I hacked it, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to seeing it again if someone was curious and wanted to see it. I just don't think I'm gonna like go out of my way to see it again. But I, I, I wasn't a fan, but. It was all right enough that, like, all right, I'll sit and watch it again. I'll do it. Just so I can, like you were saying, Sean, so I can yell. There you go. Very passionately at the TV. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't really see a need to watch this one again. It's not something that I'm opposed to either. Uh, I just don't really feel the need to, so I don't know when it would ever come back around. But, you know, if it did, I'd watch it. I think it's one of those movies that would, like, probably benefit from a closer look. I just cannot prioritize that 
in my life with the small amount of time I have to watch things. So it's, you know, there's some movies where I'm like, yes, I will watch that a second time. This ain't one of them. Well, let's see if there's anything that you can share in fact or fiction that would bump it up on the priority list. Number one, the film was originally titled Blood Red Sky during development. Blood Red Sky. You know, this this movie's I almost said so stupid, but like it's not. It's just it's cheesy enough where I would believe that to be true. So I'm gonna say fact. Blood Red Sky. I'll go fiction. It is indeed a fiction. Generated out of nowhere. <laughs> Number two, Blood Red Sky. Also, when things were still being worked on, the couple was going to be a husband and a wife. Oh, that I believe to be fact, because you're going to tell me that they just instantly thought representation? (laughs) LOL. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of movies that came before this one that it is really a husband and a wife, but maybe it was intentional that they wanted to do it this way. So I will go fiction. Well, this one was a fact. And number three. Hannah Emily Anderson, who plays Jackie slash Megan, composed the score for the film. Oh, dang. That would be cool. But I'm still saying fiction. <laughs> I I got a streak fiction because I want to believe that it was that one of them actually composed it. So I Jackie and Megan has done enough. Yes. Brittany Allen actually composed the score for the film. So that was a fiction. Whoa. Thank you, Banks, for reading ahead. Wow. Wow. That's great. Wow. So you were like, right. On both ends, you know? That's right. Number four, around 25 minutes worth of scenes related to when the couple first met, fell in love, and settled into life together was cut from the film. It was cut? I could see that. I'm going to go fact because, you know, you got to edit a bunch of shit out. They overshoot things, redesign things, cut it out. I don't know. It could have happened. I'm going to say fact. Yeah, and I'm going to say fact too because we do get a little bit of a flashback scene. So maybe that's what that was from, right? Maybe. I don't know. That's a hopeful assumption. Maybe. But it is a fiction because it made it up. Nice. Nice. The movie would have been too good is the problem. I mean, let's be fair. If if that were to be the case and all they kept was the flashbacks of them being birds in bed, it would have been a terrible choice. So Listen, when you film lesbians, you don't cut lesbians. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> and number five, Brittany Allen and Hannah Emily Anderson both starred in the gore lover targeted film Saw Five. Uh, fiction. That's so random. Yeah, fiction. You're going to tell me that they've tortured each Wait a second. I yeah, mean, fiction. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, actually. Okay, this one is a fiction, but they both did star in Jigsaw, although they didn't appear on screen together. I don't think I ever saw that. I didn't either, actually. So they were tortured then, again. Just not by each other. Who knows who they played? Saw just feels like the fucking Fast and the Furious of horror. It's a very good point. Yeah. Will I ever finish it? Probably not. Well, I can tell you that Hannah uh, Anderson played Eleanor and Brittany Allen played Carly. That means nothing to me. Ditto. You know, I'm... I'm honestly also full of it because I I own every single Saw movie on DVD, so... Including Jigsaw? Including Jigsaw. Do you have the book, though? The book of Saw? Spiral. I'll literally pull out the DVD right now. I have the box set. I'll do it right now. (laughs) And double check, actually. Maybe maybe the most recent one it doesn't have, but I'm pretty sure it does. I'll double check. Well, that's been fact or fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. What Keeps You Alive has earned two hacks and two slashes here tonight. And while we certainly had a robust discussion here, it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. Would you have noticed Jackie Megan's red flags if you were Jules? I mean, 
I sure hope so, but let us know either way. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our Discord. Click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, and perhaps you have those speed paddling abilities that Jackie does, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access and extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, you can never really know what's going on inside their head. I don't even know what to say right now. Um.